Good morning. Welcome. How many of you, you're all about that five-minute sermon? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't. I see. It's only the workers. There's only the volunteers. That's who's all about it. You're like, I want to go home. Welcome. Welcome. So excited to have you here. Last week, Pastor West kicked off our series entitled, I Love My Church, and we are going to continue part two of I Love My Church. Now, I really do love church. I grew up in the church. My dad is a pastor. He still pastors. I was at his church this past Sunday in Simi Valley. And so for me, church is just a way of life. I've grown up in the church. And so I really, really am excited about this series. Before we jump into it, I need you to touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor one thing you really love. Touch your neighbor and tell him something you really love. Tell him something you really love. Now, take a moment. Tell him something you really love. Okay. All right. Took a second. Something you really love. All right. Now, how many of you, you're like, it's food. It's food. I really love food. Few food people. Nobody said food. I'm surprised. How many of you said, I love the person next to you? Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. I knew some of the men would try to score some brownie points. That's excellent. All right. Any, anybody said, I love the Niners? Raiders? Okay, there we go. We had a few fans. We had a few fans there. How many of you, you said, you know what, I love golf. Any, anybody? Golf? Fishing? Okay. Chess? Badminton? Crochet? Knitting? Nobody? Okay. See, there's lots of topics we would say. How many said, I love church? A few of you did. Okay, so you guys, you caught on to it. Okay, you know exactly where I was going with it. And so when it comes to this thing, it's almost, though, kind of weird, though, to talk about saying, I love my church, though, isn't it? It's kind of one of those things where some people, when it comes to church, they don't like church because they've been one before. So for them, it's kind of like they have this aversion to church. And so we're trying to say, you know what? No, we want to fall in love with what Jesus loves. Jesus loves the local church. It was the only organization that he started. And we said a couple weeks ago that the church is the only organization that exists for the benefits of of those that are not yet its members. That's why the church exists. For those that are not inside our four walls, but those that are outside our four walls. And so that's why we're doing this series, and it's going to be a great series. And we're going to be diving into Matthew chapter number 9. And I want to pick up in verse number 9, because I feel like it's so important when we start talking about the church, sometimes to go forward, you have to take a step backward. And we're going to take a step back this morning and look at Jesus and the example he set. Because when it comes to the church, we need to follow the example of our leader. Our leader is Jesus Christ. That's who we're following, and that's who we're going to look at this morning, because the church seems to always wrestle with this tension between being reverent and being relevant. Sometimes when it comes to church, I grew up in a very, what we would call, reverent church, all right? We stood at certain times. It was, it was a lot of up and down. You would stand at some songs. You would sit at some songs. You would hold a, a red book, and it was called a hymnal. And so we would have that, and, and so we would have uh, old-fashioned altar calls. We just So I drew, grew up in a church that was very, what we would call, reverent. We even dressed very nice. I mean, you had to wear a suit and a tie, made sure your shoes were shined. So Saturday evenings growing up for us, it was get out your shoes get out your dress pants, you know, and uh, my parents, they would always make sure that those were iron and look nice, because why? There was this reverence, and now we see this swing to trying to be relevant, but yet there's this tension that we have to wrestle with, that when it comes to the Word of God, there still should be some reverence, 
but yet we still need to be relevant. And so this is the tension that the church wrestles with today. And so we're going to dive into the words of Jesus, what he has to say. Notice if you would, beginning in Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 9, the Bible says this. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector station. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, I love this one little word as we dive into this verse. It's one word. It's the word saw. That's powerful to me. Isn't it amazing how one word can be so powerful? Some of us, we think the word love is really powerful. Or we think the word hate is really powerful. Or we think uh, there's all kinds of words that we just have this powerful word association. I believe there is great power in that word saw because Jesus, the Bible says, saw Matthew. I want you to know this morning, you may be going through life feeling like nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. Hey, I was the middle child out of seven. You know how hard it was to be seen, heard? And some of you parents are like, that'd be actually kind of nice to have children that are seen and not heard, you know? So you're always fighting for this attention, you know? And uh, you never got new clothes, always the handy down, but it went through a couple layers before it got to me. So being seen or heard was very difficult. It's wonderful to know that the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, he sees you this morning. Your boss may not see you. You may be going in a relationship where you just feel like, I'm not seen or heard in this relationship. Here, the very first thing, Jesus, the Bible says, he sees Matthew. But here's the thing about Matthew. We know Matthew, and we're thinking, yeah, we're looking at his book. He, he wrote a book on the Bible, so he must, have be, he must be a good guy. Well, he turned out to be a good guy, but he was a tax collector. Now, any of you love the IRS? Anybody here? Didn't think so, right? Well, it was worse in Jesus' day. Tax collectors were the lowest of the low. They weren't allowed in the temple. You need to understand these tax collectors, people, they couldn't stand to be near the tax collectors because they were extortioners. They were collecting the tax for Rome. And the Israelites, the Jewish people, they hated Rome. So anybody that worked with Rome, they hated them. And Matthew, he's a tax collector. And here, what is Jesus doing? He's saying, I see the worst of the worst, or the lowest of the low. Sometimes we feel like, well, Jesus, of course, saw Matthew. Of course, Jesus saw him because he wrote a book. No, no, no. I need you to understand that Jesus sees you not based on what you've done. Matthew didn't do anything for Jesus. There's nothing that Matthew had done to earn or receive any approval or any recognition from Jesus at this point. But the Bible says that Jesus saw Matthew. Isn't that powerful? That Jesus sees us this morning? I don't know what kind of week you've had. It could have been a discouraging week. It could be a tough week. It may be the first week going back to school. Some of our parents are like, yes, get those kids back to school. This is a great praise Jesus kind of a moment. But it may be a difficult one where all of a sudden you're surrounded by new students and and you're trying to fit in and you're trying to meet the right friends. And what's happening is you just feel so out of place. You just feel like nobody sees me. Jesus sees you this morning. But the Bible says that Matthew did something. And I love this. The Bible said that Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew arose and followed him. You know what this does? This gives us a hope for us. That's what I love. There is hope for us. 
Because here we are, and you can write that down. There is a hope for us. Because of Jesus, there is a hope for us. Here's Matthew. Here's his background. His background is one that it's not a great job he's in. He doesn't have a good reputation, but yet Jesus notices him. Jesus can notice you as well. But here's what's interesting. When it comes to the church, sometimes when it comes to the church, it seems like we feel like we've got to put up this front where we have to look a certain way and we have to act a certain way and uh, otherwise we're just not going to be accepted. But here Jesus, what is the first thing that Jesus said to Matthew? Follow me. It wasn't, hey, stop extorting the people. Stop taking their money right now. Stop. Hey, I don't like what you're doing. Hey, I heard what you just said. Hey, yeah, yeah, I know what you just watched. I know what party you went to. I know who you were hanging around. I know who you're, who you're going off with. I know what you're drinking, what you're smoking. I know. Does Jesus do any of that? No. See, oftentimes when it comes to church, the church has this, this kind of this reputation for being a stop that kind of church. Like, as soon as you come to church, just, just stop it. Just, just anything you're doing right now, just stop. Whatever you're thinking, stop it. Whatever you're doing, stop it. Whatever you're drinking, stop it. And so maybe you grew up in that kind of church where you, every Sunday you just kind of came to church. You just knew, I just got to stop something, right? So they're going to tell me to stop doing something. Hopefully they don't tell me to stop breathing, you know? It's funny, they never tell me to stop giving, but they always tell me to stop a bunch of other stuff. But when it comes to that, they always make sure I keep doing that. And so some of us, we have a hard time because that's what we view the church like. But do you see Jesus saying, stop anything? What does he say? Follow me. Isn't that powerful? Doesn't it take the weight off of the church that we don't have to be the Christian police policing everybody? We don't have to. This gives us so much hope. And maybe you've come to church and you're really having a hard time coming to church because you've had a bad church experience. And all of a sudden, you're coming to a church and you're just thinking, man, I hope I fit in. I hope everything's all right. I hope I do the right things. I hope I stand at the right times. Maybe I should raise my hand. Maybe I shouldn't raise my hand. I don't know if I believe this. And all of a sudden, now I want you to understand there is a hope because Jesus didn't say, hey, you got to do this or be this. He just simply gave an invitation to follow him. It's just an invitation. And here's what's powerful about this invitation. Jesus, he gives his invitation to follow me and Matthew responds to it. Some of us are wondering why our coworkers and our friends and maybe even our family aren't responding to us. And maybe it's because we need to take a lesson from the life of Jesus and how he invited people into his space. He wasn't forcing anything on anybody. He was simply inviting people in. And it's powerful the difference that can happen. It's powerful to see the change that can take place. Last week I was at a friend of mine's church in his early service before I went over to my dad's service. And he was having a big day and I was excited. I'd been in a coaching network with him. So I went to his church and I got there and it was just so awesome to be around him. They're, they're in a church planning context like we are. And uh, they've been in a middle school for six and a half years. That's a long time to be portal, but they're doing a fantastic job. They're about to get a building. They run about a thousand people. And so they've just been growing. God's been blessing their work. And so I started talking to the pastor afterward. His name is Justice. And I was thinking, and I was asking, I was saying, hey, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And I was talking to him about a city he should go plant a church in. And he said, no, we need to stay right here because there's a grace on us to reach these people. And I thought for a second, that's interesting because the neighborhood he was in was kind of a rougher neighborhood. 
Some places we might call it the projects. Some places you might call it the ghetto. Some places you may call it your neighborhood. You know, it just, it, whatever you find yourself, that just the type of place that he was ministering to. And I was asking him about this other community. He said, no, no, no. There's a grace for us to reach the down and out. And I was thinking, isn't it interesting that I think you've accepted what God has given to the entire church? But most of us, what are we trying to do? We want to reach the up and up, not the down and out. We want to reach the people that look good, smell good, and don't have any issues, and don't have any problems. And that's, that's who we kind of want to reach. But here, we see Jesus. He's saying, no, no, no. I'm here to reach anybody, even the people that everybody else wants nothing to do with. So this should give us a hope this morning. So we want to be a church where you come in the doors, and there is a hope that Jesus accepts you. He sees you, and he loves you this morning. So we see, first of all, there's a hope. But then as we continue reading, notice this. This is exciting. I love this passage of scripture. Verse number 10, the Bible says, while Jesus sat at supper in the house. First first of all, you see that Jesus sees him. Then you see him sitting down, having a meal with him. And then the Bible says, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. Here's the powerful truth, church. If you reach one, there's a possibility you could reach many. Do you see, he just reached Matthew, and then many came because he reached the one. You see, some of you, you're thinking, it's just one person. It's just one cup of coffee with this person. It's just one invitation. It's just one outreach card. It's just one, one invitation to somebody to come to a church or an activity or, or, or an event. It's just one little invitation. What's one little invitation? Every week inside your worship guides, there's an outreach card. And it's my prayer that you will take those outreach cards and you'll put them in a Starbucks or you'll meet a grocery clerk and you'll hand it to them because there's no telling what that little outreach card can do. There's no telling who that can have impact on and whose hands that's going to get to. You may think it's just one, but God can use it to reach the many. You see, Jesus knew, if I just reach Matthew, guess what? All of his friends are going to come. Why? Because we see not only does Jesus have a hope for us, but Jesus has a heart for us. He does. He has a heart for you this morning. I'll prove it to you. In the same passage of scripture, this is a great passage of scripture, but we see in just a second later, verse number 11, the Bible says this, when the Pharisees saw it, now whenever you see the Pharisee in scripture, just start thinking Jaws theme music. Or you could be thinking the Darth Vader theme song, okay? Whenever the Pharisee shows up, it's just like foreboding music should be playing in your mind, okay? Whenever the Pharisee shows up, nothing good is going to happen here. But here's what the Pharisees say. Notice the Bible says, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But notice the Bible says when the Pharisees, the Bible says that Jesus saw Matthew. What did the Pharisees see? It. Did you catch the difference? Jesus saw an individual, they saw an it. Isn't it sad? The quote-unquote religious people of the day saw it. You ever been in a church that it? People see it? It's too expensive. It's too hard. It's too late. It's too expensive. You ever been in that church where it's always too hard? There's always an it that stands in the way of the individual. Well, we want to be a place at Southridge where the individual comes first. Finish this phrase, if you would. The customer is always relevant. Relevant. The customer is not always right. Some of you business owners, you know that. But the customer is always relevant. And in the church world, person comes in the door is always relevant 
They're always relevant. They always matter. And to Jesus, Jesus had a heart for this group. He's saying, I've got a heart for these people. Well, the Pharisees, they came in and they didn't see it. They didn't know what Jesus wanted. But here, Jesus comes in and he sits down. He has a meal. He breaks bread. And they start conversing. They start talking. And not once has Jesus said anything about stopping or changing. But these people are being impacted by being around Jesus. It's amazing. They love to be around Jesus. There's a great quote where it says that the church is the only organization in the world where only where the only qualification for membership is to be unqualified. Unqualified. That's the only qualification for membership. I've entitled this message, if you want to give it a title, No Perfect People Allowed. No Perfect People Allowed. Hey, when it comes to church, nobody's perfect. We don't have it all together. Nobody's marriage is always where we want it to be 100% of the time. Nobody's parenting is where we always want it 100% of the time. It's been summer, and so this has been getting me into trouble because all our windows are open to save some costs on AC, and we've got neighbors that we're trying to reach out to. And uh, I've been doing a little bit of construction work on my home, and so there's been a couple times in the frustration of painting, and my kids may put their hands on a wall or do something, and uh, uh, my decibel level has been a little bit higher, and then I look out the front door and I see the windows are open, and my neighbors are on the front yard and they know I haul a church trailer and they see the church sign and they see me wearing the Southridge t-shirt. Oh no, I've ruined my testimony. Does it feel good to judge me right now? Does that feel good? I I know some of you are enjoying this. Like you're feeling better as a parent and better as a human being and uh, laugh at my pain. It's okay. This is therapy. You're welcome. My name's Micaiah. All right. So it is all good for us to be here. Now, so when it comes to it, nobody's got it together. And there are some days you feel like you nailed it as a parent. And then those other days, we got a toilet that we took out of the room. We put it in the backyard. And I keep having to stop my five-year-old from wanting to use the toilet in my backyard. And I just think, what have, who did he learn this from? You know? And I look at his mother, and it's not her. And she looks at me, and I'm thinking, it's not me. She gives me that look, like, are you serious? I don't believe you right now. You know? So it's parenting fails. Marriage sometimes fails. Dating sometimes fails. Job sometimes fails. But here at the church, there's no qualifications. Nobody said this morning on your way in, hey, you got to give yourself a little grade this week. A, B, C, D, or F. What did you, how did you do this morning? Because if you didn't get a good grade, you can't come into the church. Jesus doesn't love you. No, that's not what happened. Everyone is welcome because we here at Southridge believe that no perfect people, we're not perfect. We're not going to walk around like we're perfect. We're not going to go to our coworkers thinking we're perfect. We're going to go and show them that we love Jesus and Jesus loves them. And not only does Jesus have a hope for them, he's got a heart for them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Maybe you grew up in the church and you think, but, but shouldn't we teach about sin? And I just think that if we get too soft and too wishy-washy and too lovey, then all of a sudden we're going to start letting stuff in the church that shouldn't happen. And we don't want to be that kind of church. And, and we got to watch it. And we can't just be all sunshines, rainbows, and unicorns. There, there's some sin in the Bible. There's that Old Testament. You go to that Old Testament, there's some Ten Commandments. There's those laws. And we need some hellfire and brimstone every once in a while. You know, you need to make me feel bad every once in a while. And uh, we think that sometimes we feel like Jesus just glossed over all their sin. But notice this. Let's keep, keep reading. Notice if you would. The Bible says, while Jesus sat at supper in the house. Oh, excuse me. Let's go down to verse number 12. But when Jesus heard what the Pharisees were saying, he said to them, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. Hold on. Who is Jesus calling sick? The Pharisees? 
No. All of a sudden, you could see Matthew with maybe a chicken wing or something and just putting it down. Excuse me? You calling us sick? You calling us friends sick? But they don't do that, do they? They know their condition. They know. You see, Jesus isn't glossing over their sin. Jesus isn't calling it out. He's not dragging them through the mud. Hey, Jesus had every right to drag these people through the mud, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't. Instead, Jesus, he points it out. He says, hey, I'm here for the sick. And then he goes on, but go and learn what this means. Now, this is super offensive to the Pharisees because all the Pharisees did was learn. That's all they did. They would just study and learn. And yet Jesus said, you've missed something. Go and learn. And here's what he says. He says, go and learn what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, church, we can be loving, we can be accepting, and we can be kind. But we don't have to be mean. Somebody once said, said it like this. Mean what you say and say what you mean, but never say it mean. Pretty good, isn't it? Mean what you say and say what you mean. But don't say it mean. You see, the church, sometimes we are truth without grace. Sometimes. But we're supposed to be a balance of the two, aren't we? Grace and truth. One of the prayers that I pray over my children every night is Luke 2.41, that they would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, that they would grow. And there's this thing for us, church, we've got to grow in this grace. We've got to grow in a balance of grace and truth. So I want you to see, not only does Jesus have a hope for us, not only does Jesus have a heart for us, but Jesus has healing for us. So maybe you came in this morning and you say, yep, that's me. Because the Bible says that he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. They were having a party. They were throwing down. Here's Jesus. He's at this party. And Jesus is there. And he is with them. And he's sharing sharing his testimony. And sometimes we feel like, what is God doing? What is Jesus doing here? But he knew this is the way to give them some acceptance. And they would be invited into this new life. Because after all, we see that Matthew's going to follow Jesus. Matthew's going to reach others. He's going to write a book of the Bible. So Jesus has healing. So maybe you came in this morning and you feel like, yeah, I've got some needs. Maybe you feel like hurt, broken. Jesus offers healing. That's why he came. He came not to help those who were good enough for it. Hey, I need you to understand this church. Jesus didn't, doesn't love you because he died for you. He loved you and then he died for you. There's a difference. Some of you feel like, well, i got to earn this value, or I've got to do it, or I've got to work hard to be approved. You know what? I've grown up in that place. I've grown up for years trying to measure up, trying to do enough to be good enough so that God would love me. And finally, you just come to the end of yourself where you realize, wait a minute, I just can't. I can't do anything that will earn God's love. And God here, he's saying these people don't have to do anything. He's came to heal them. But healing begins with an admission of a problem. Healing begins with an admission of a problem. I say it like this. God can't fix what I fake. God can't fix what I fake. 
So if you're going to come into church, you're going to come into our church, and we want to create an environment where you're welcome, you're accepted, and where God can speak to you, and you can grow, but you need to understand something. We're not here to fake it. We're not here to pretend like it's all perfect. We're not here to act like we don't have any problems. We're not here to pretend like it's all good and we just brush over things. No, we understand that we're growing. We understand that we're a work in progress. We understand that there are things that we're growing in. So we have to first remember that healing begins when we admit we have a problem. When we admit that we need Jesus' help to come into our lives to transform us. But sometimes we need to ask God and come to him in humility and say, God, what about me do I refuse to see right now? What about me do I refuse to see? Sometimes I'm blind to my own blind spots. You know that? I think sometimes churches are too. We're blind to our own blind spots. Sometimes we can feel like, well, we're good. Oh, oh, of course people that don't like church would like our church. Of course people that don't know Jesus will love coming to our church. But are we blind to our own blind spots? Are we blind to the fact that, no, there's some things we could do differently? There's some things we could change in? There's some things that we might need to think about? And so here, Jesus is saying, if you'll face it, if you'll confront it, I will bring healing. I will help and I will transform lives. So healing begins when we admit that we have a problem. So what are you running from? What are you running from? I'm going to use three words. Maybe you've heard them. There's the word believe. There's the word behave. And then the word belong. And maybe for you, what's stopping you from receiving the healing that you want and need or maybe what's stopping you from church or accepting Jesus is because you've somehow, somehow gotten into your heart of hearts, into your soul, that for you to really belong to Jesus, you have to behave. You gotta behave. You gotta do the right things. And if you don't do the right things, then guess what? You don't get to belong. It's a club, man. And you've gotta, you've gotta behave a certain way. Or maybe you grew up in an environment that says, you've got to believe before you belong. You've got to believe everything. And maybe that's why some of you, you're seeing a younger generation leave the church because we said that unless you believe, then guess what? You don't get to belong. Or unless you behave, you don't get to belong. Can I tell you something, church? What if I did that with my children? I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and a six-month-old. And guess what? They don't all behave like they should behave. That's it. You're out. Here's a homeless sign for you. Here's a homeless sign for you. And here's a, I'll work for food here. All right? Good luck. We'll see you on the street corner. It's silly, isn't it? It's comical. But why do we do it to the church? Why do we do it to our neighbors? Why do we do it to our coworkers? Why do we do it to our family? I believe this. I believe that if we create an environment where people can belong, I believe they'll eventually believe, and then I think eventually they'll behave. Because isn't that the pattern Jesus did right here? As we see it, he said, hey, follow me, I'm going to go to your house today. They threw a party. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to accept you. Hey, the very fact that Jesus went to Matthew's house, that's like incredible. Incredible. There was once a famous pastor. He was on TV. He went to prison. And um, he handled some money poorly. 
and it was a big scandal. His life was ruined, turned upside down. After he got out of prison, one of the very first people to reach out to him was a man by the name of Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. Franklin Graham calls this famous pastor and says, we know what happened to you. We know that you, your life is totally upside down. But, but, but Franklin told him, we want to take care of you. We want to get you a house. We want to get you set up with some type of either employment or revenue so that you can exist, so that you have something to live off. And he said, not only that, this Sunday I want you to come to church with us. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, Franklin, no, no. I, I, you don't want to be around me right now, Franklin. It's, it's messy, it's ugly, you don't want to be around me right now, Franklin. Franklin, just, just leave me alone, just, just, I've ruined my life. Franklin says, no, 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 you need to go to church with me. So that morning, Franklin took his friend to church, they went to the great, big, beautiful church, they went right down to the front, and right at the front there were some seats that said reserved. And Franklin and his friend, who was the ex-pastor, who had done some terrible things financially, they sat down right at the front, and he's thinking, what am I doing, I'm, gonna, I'm at this church, people are going to recognize me. I'm with Franklin, I'm going to ruin his testimony. But then he looked over and he saw that there was two other seats. And then out of a side door, in walks an elderly Billy and Ruth Graham to sit right next to him. To say, hey, our friend may have messed up, but guess what? He still belongs. He still belongs. You may be that person this morning, you may feel like, I messed up. We all have. We all have. But here is a place where we need to be the type of people that says, guess what, you still belong. You may not have behaved like you should have. And guess what, you may not always believe. You may not always. There's some things that I've said that a few years later, I'm like, well, I don't agree with that anymore. There's some things that I've done, I've listened to old messages and thinking, what was I thinking? Young pastor, I don't know what I'm doing. And you just look at the message and think, oh, we should take that one down. Or my wife's like, hey, you really should not post that one. That, I don't know what happened there. It's an off Sunday, something. Pastor's wives are like the Holy Spirit, aren't they sometimes? They just kind of, they just, or wives in general, they're kind of like, you know, God's gift to us, you know, and uh, they'll, they'll keep you humble. But when it comes to, there are certain things where you just look back and you say, God, help me. God, I need your help. And so this morning, wherever you find yourself, find yourself hurt, there's hope. If you find yourself at a place where you need healing, there's healing. If you find yourself at a place where you feel unloved, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. That you and I were very much like Matthew. Very much like the tax collector. And so Jesus is coming to a point where he's saying, hey, I accept you. You belong. You belong. Would you touch your neighbor and tell him you belong? You belong. You belong. Isn't that a good feeling to know you belong? Isn't it an awesome feeling to know you belong somewhere? I was gone on vacation for over a week, and it was so good to come home. There's nothing like home. Airbnb does not match up to home. In-laws definitely doesn't match up to home. And when you get home, it's just like, I belong here. Oh, this is great. Wouldn't that be a great environment for the church to be? Where somebody just walks in, they're just like, i got to share one last story as we wrap up. I'm going to ask the musicians to come to the stage. Several weeks ago, a friend of ours, he called up. And we have people in our church, they do the same thing. You work with foster care and you work with adoption. And, and it's an amazing thing. Amazing, incredible. The amount of sacrifice, the heart that it takes. And so our friend, he calls me up and he says, Hey, uh, 
they found a bruise on one of our, our kids and they're blaming us for beating our kids. So this is my biological kid. This is not even any of the foster care. He said, we didn't do it. Now we're going to court. And he said, they're, they're telling me I can't take my own kids to church. He said, I was teaching him Bible verses. He said, we never would have touched our kids. And it's interesting. He was there on our very first Sunday in the theater. He was, he was there. And uh, uh, so, so he calls me up. He's just in tears. He said, we went to court. And he said, the judge threw the book at us. He said, they took away my biological kids. They took away the foster kids. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But you know what he told me over the phone? He said, so my wife and I, we want to go to your church this weekend. They live in Stockton. But they were thinking, in the moment of our crisis, we want to be at a place where we can be surrounded by love. A place where we feel like we belong, even though we don't even live there. And that's not, I didn't do that. That's all of us creating that. Together, that place where somebody can come and say, that's where I want to be. And that's what we want to have for you. So whether this is your first time here, whether you're exploring Christianity or whether you've never heard the name of Jesus, we want to invite you into what God is doing here. We want you to feel like you belong here. So let's all stand. I love that song that we sang, Oh, come to the altar. So maybe there's a next step for you. Maybe the next step for you is to give your life to Jesus. Maybe the next step for you is to say, this is going to be the church I belong to. This is the type of church I want to be a part of. Maybe this is the kind of place you say, hey, I could get behind a church that believes that people can belong way before they believe and way before they behave. I need that place. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing here, we invite you in on it. It's great to serve the church. It's great to serve the thing that Jesus loves and died for. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I just feel that maybe there's somebody here and you're saying, Today's the day.